Everybody, thanks for tuning in to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. We're coming to you live from the J Radio studios. Brian, Nathan, there's something real exciting coming with J Radio. They are launching on September 1st the J Radio app for Android and iPhone. Well, you know, they've had an app for a good while, but this is going to be the full launch of the app with all of its features, including something from the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast host. All three of us are going to get to have a 30-song playlist. They're going to have the Recovering Fundamentalist channel, and you're going to get to hear the mind of Nathan, JC, and Brian from our musical choices. I'm pretty pumped about that. Nate, what's some of the songs you're going to have on your channel? Okay, I'm actually going to keep my songs a little close to the chest here. I don't want anybody stealing my favorite songs (laughs) because I know you guys will do that intentionally. But the thing I'm excited about is when they first started talking to us about this, they said, this is going to be such a big deal because artists like David Crowder Mm-hmm. Are going to be making their own list, and now they Lecrae, yeah. Now they've asked us to do it, so that's Come that's kind of cool, man. I'm feeling good <laughs> yes, about that. Is. All right, we got 007 secret agent over here, not telling us what his playlist is. Brian, what's <laughs> some of the songs on your playlist? Well, I'm I'm definitely going to have all the poor and powerless. What a beautiful name! Mm-hmm. Great are you, Lord? And then I'm I'm going to have to have rattle on there. I love rattle. And then you know I'm thinking somewhere along the way I'm going to have to throw some dubstep in. You know, because John Hamblin <laughs> preaches so robotic, <laughs> that dude would have to be able to break out a mean body popping. Like, when you look at him, the way he walks as he talks like this in step. With I'm, that I'm double-breasted suit. John Hamblin dubstep. Come on, man. And, you know, J-Radio, the thing that I like about them is it's not just straight Christian music. They have positive and encouraging music that are going to be on those playlists. And so some of mine, I've obviously, you know, I'm not super Christian like Brian because I've got some that aren't Christian, but I got Cornerstone. That's my all-time favorite song. My worship pastor right now, Zach Dallas, has a band called They Came Running. I'm going to put one on there called Stargazing. It's awesome. Once yeah. you hear it, it's stuck in your head. There's a song right now by Connection Music called Faithful Right Now. Mm. Guys, that song is on repeat. I'm telling you, it is awesome. And then you've got to throw in some Almond Brothers Statesboro Blues. Heathen. That's where it's at right there. <laughs> you can't go wrong. It's J Radio. You can check them out September the 1st. They got the J Radio app coming out. We also want to thank our other sponsor, Free Life Soap. And uh, you can check them out at therecoveringfundamentalist.org. Click on the Free Life Soap tab. Use the promo code RFP. Get 10% off of your order. It's going to be awesome. Take your love life to a whole nother level. There it is. <laughs> Brian Edwards joke. I love it. <laughs> I would use the beard oil, but I went in today to get my beard trimmed up and my guy was gone. And so there's the lady in there that's doing it. Let me tell you something, folks. You let a lady trim your beard? Never let somebody that doesn't have a beard what trim you your thinking? beard. I look 15 pounds lighter because she took half my beard off. Most people like that. I got way too many chins to not have this much facial hair. And what made you think you could compare Nathan's jokes <laughs> to my joke. Listen, Brian. I'm greatly offended. This week was hilarious. You went kind of absent. Your phone did something weird, and you added your email to our group chat, which our group chat, by the way, is straight fire yeah. at 3 a.m. in the morning. You deleted your email account and added your phone, and then you removed yourself, and it was all crazy. And so me and Nate were on there for like three hours like, hey, Brian, where's Brian? <laughs> Brian. Why did he leave us? Are you here? Is he mad at us? <laughs> and then I said, I guess I'm going to have to do the dad jokes. So I started dropping some mad dad jokes, man. It was great. And then you popped up. What's, what are y'all talking about? <laughs> well, first of all, I didn't do any of that. It's just another Apple conspiracy. Oh, there it is. It, hey, they must know I'm a Christian <laughs> and that we text about Jesus. 
And so they're messing with my phone. I better not say that there'll be people who believe Blessed it, are the but, persecuted. <laughs> yes. But talking about bad jokes today, uh, I was with my, my daughter, who's now 17. I have to remember, you know, she's not seven anymore. And we're riding down the road. And I said, sweetheart, do you know why they call pirates pirates? And she's like, I know, dad, you've already told me this. And then. I'm total dad because I still had to finish it. Yeah. They call them pirates because they are. I, <laughs> I had to do it. And she just stares at me. What are you doing right now? You know why the pirate didn't go to the movie, though, don't you? Because it was rated no. R. <laughs> I'll be here all week. Like Brian's, he's writing that down right that's now. That's <laughs> worse than a Brian joke. That's, that's, that's a whole other level. Right oh, there. I love it. Oh, well, uh, y'all ready to get this show started? Let's do it. Let's go. In three. You know what makes women stupid is college. Jesus was not a bartender. Hi, man. Two. You have lost your mind. Long tongue heifers have given me a lot more trouble than heifers wearing breeches. And you know that. Say amen right there. One. Let me tell you something, bozo. They'll be selling frosties in hell for this boy. Put on a pair of pink underwear. Amen. I sucked my thumb till I was 14 years of age. Hi, man. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to the Recovering Fundamentalist Podcast, episode number 25. We have made it halfway to 50, guys. Did you like that homeschool math right then? That was awesome. Hey, so we are here. This is Brian, JC, and Nathan coming to you live from the J Radio Studios. And this portion of the podcast is brought to you by podlife.house. From affordable to adorable, you have to check these guys out. They build custom container homes that can be made manly enough that Tony Hudson would approve, roomy enough for an old-fashioned dinner on the grounds, and strong enough to withstand the sin-hating, devil-chasing, hellfire, and brimstone Georgia camp meeting, complete with full-size appliances that can easily hold your 44 ounces of I don't give a rib. Check them out online at podlife.house. Have y'all looked at that website yet? Yeah, I've been on there. His wife actually designs these homes, and they are amazing. Fun fact, that's actually Phil Kidd's son. Philip Kid, yeah, wow. I yeah. believe his wife Brittany is the one that designs the homes. They're awesome. They look amazing. I'm ready to buy one. It's I, like literally, yes. it's like Legos, man. It's just shipping containers. And we got into this black hole of YouTube videos watching folks build shipping container homes and things like that. And it's unbelievable. They just weld them together. This guy has a massive home down there in Louisiana. We want to pray for all those folks that are about to get hit by definitely Hurricane Laura. Texas. Did you hear it's a Category Four now? They're yeah. saying 190 mile an hour winds, but. They said that those container homes can withstand winds up to 190 mile an hour. So Dude. maybe they'll stand. Check it out today, podlife.house. Well, guys, episode 23 and 24 was pretty intense, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yeah, the Phil Kid episodes were epic. The back and forth was epic. And I've learned something after doing a podcast with Phil Kid. There are a few of his followers. <laughs> that take the joking back and forth very seriously. I've been told at this point, I'll never be half the man Phil Kidd is. <laughs> I saw my that. My ministry's not real. My calling's not real. And then there are a couple of people 
they they made me just a little bit nervous. Yeah, and let's be honest. I mean, it's kind of cool when someone has their pastor's back and they're like, "Don't mess with my pastor." Yeah, we can appreciate that as pastors. But you also need to read the context of what's yeah. being said because they were pretty ticked. I've been called a lot of things. This it's been intense this last week. But you want to know something that's crazy? The worst emails and hate mail and cuss mail that I got was from Phil Kid haters. Oh, hundred percent telling me that I, I won't. I can't repeat that. This is a rated PG. Well, they were telling us they they couldn't believe we actually brought him on and made it sound like we were agreeing with him and like giving him that platform. And I got a couple of those too. It was, they weren't Christian. And you've got to know that coming into this, we thought Phil was going to be attacking us. We had no idea how that was going to go. And we were willing to sit down with someone that we, that we disagreed with. 100%. Yeah. And people have to remember, we've made it clear that we're going to give people grace. That's going to be our approach. And Silence doesn't always mean agreement. Jesus was often silent at the most intense times. Mm. It didn't mean he was in agreement. Yeah. It just meant he remained silent. And by the way, sometimes it's wise to remain silent. There have been often times that I wasn't silent, and I wish I could go back and erase yeah. what I had said. Yeah. And so I think it was better off that we didn't attack everything and deal with every point. Mm-hmm. Phil Kidd got to share his story from his perspective. It was an interview. Yeah. Yep. I, I think I could write a book on everything that I've written and deleted this past week on responses. I'm like, nope, 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 nope. Don't want that out there. The thing that I loved seeing the responses on Twitter today, blowing up Twitter, is we saw a different side of Phil Kidd. Yeah. It's the same way with Nathan when we brought him on. They Rager. have their per- Rager. Yeah, I can't say his last name. That's why I never say it. So, but they they have this persona that they give off. But then there's a man behind that persona. Mm-hmm. And our mission here is to help, to encourage, and to challenge. Yeah. Challenge doesn't mean we have to go at it. Yeah. Challenge doesn't mean we've got to bring shame to the name of Jesus. What would that have done if we would have sat here mm. and just gone back and forth just bashing each other? Yeah. You can speak truth in love and still throw a velvet brick at somebody. Yeah, absolutely. And we do want to thank Paul and Phil 100%. for coming on. Uh, they were gentlemen, and we enjoyed the attacks. We yeah. enjoyed the... Uh, <laughs> the taking the gloves on and going the, the to videos, battle in the ring. The videos were the best, man. That was amazing. we got to talk about your form throwing that axe, though. Come on, that was real. Someone asked me how many... I think it was Jason Ship asked me how many times I had to edit that, and I told him it was on the first take. That's like, pretty I'm good. pretty decent with an axe. That shirt looked like a schmedium, though. <laughs> I appreciate you pointing that out. By the way, everybody needs to remember, this is RFP, not WWF. Yes, exactly. But you got to admit, his first promo that he did was straight up Ric Flair. Like was It was hilarious. like WWF, we going to battle. Yeah. Well, tonight, these three loose-lipped liberals, lemon-sucking. I was loving everything. You know what's awesome about this, though? The private messages that we're getting with Phil now, like... If you would have told me 20 years ago that at 1 p.m. on a Wednesday morning that I'd be texting Phil Kidd, he's like, how the number's looking? And he's sending me screenshots of stuff that people are sending him that it's really helping them. I'm like, this is crazy. If you had told me that three weeks ago, I would have said you're insane. That's true. That's awesome, though. I love it. I'm glad he was able to come on. Thanks, Phil and Paul, for coming on the episodes. And there's a lot of people that won't come on to the podcast that we've put an open invite out to. I'm excited about tonight's interview because we have somebody that's actually coming on the podcast, and uh, he's going to talk with us a little bit. Nathan, will you introduce our guest tonight? Yeah, speaking of someone that extends grace, we had a gentleman on Twitter earlier this week who made a post about why he is not a recovering fundamentalist. And 
I saw it. I think somebody sent it to me. Like I, six people sent it to us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of people did. And as I saw it, I clicked on it thinking, oh boy, here we go, because we've, we've been attacked a lot. And that's okay, because people kind of perceive what we're doing as being offensive to certain positions. So as I read through it, I was like, man, this guy is sharp. Spot on. This guy's a gentleman. This guy is speaking with grace. And so I reached out to him, and we had a great conversation. And I asked him to come on the podcast, and he graciously agreed. And Dr. David Young, I'm excited about interviewing you tonight. Thank you for being here. Well, it's my pleasure. I'm glad to to, uh, serve you guys and to chat with you tonight. Well, we want to get to the content of your article because I thought it was really well thought through. But before we get there, I would love to hear your story of your faith, your journey, where you're at, so our listeners can hear where you're coming from. Sure, I'd be glad to do that. Uh, I am an evangelist, and uh, I'm 50. Uh, I have have one wife. (laughs) We are happily, happily married. Uh, in fact, Bethley and I do a marriage co- a podcast together. Keeping it young is our podcast, and uh, we just uh, we love serving the Lord together. We've been on the road literally from the day our honeymoon ended. We've been traveling and serving the Lord. God gave us five children. I have a daughter married, and she and her husband are in ministry. I have a son married, and he and his wife are in ministry. I have another son studying for ministry, and a senior in high school who serves in our ministry. He does the plays the guitar in our children's meetings and speaks to the boys and girls. And then my daughter, I have a daughter that's in seventh grade. So I cover all the bases. Wow. But I got saved uh, years ago. I was a a high school kid in a public high school and a man from the hills of Tennessee told me about Jesus. And I knew about Jesus. I'd gone to church most of my life. And um, he told me about Jesus, though, and, and, and eventually led me to Christ I trusted Christ in the front seat of his car after much uh, wrestling with the Lord about that. And um, six or seven months later, I thought maybe God wanted me in ministry. And Brother Arwood mentored me, discipled me, and uh, the man that led me to Christ, that is. And uh, I was thinking I'd go, uh, you know, in the mountains uh, of Tennessee where I grew up. There were really two kinds of preachers, they would say. There were good ones and there were educated ones. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I didn't know any preacher that was a strong, what we thought of as a real good preacher who was Bible educated, you know. And so Brother Arwood, though, said, no, if God's called you to ministry, don't go. I was planning to go to a secular college and study pre-med. And uh, no, he said, you need to go to Bible college and give your whole life to ministry. I had never heard of that. Yeah. And, uh, so he told me there was a couple of schools. He said, one, you can't go there, he said, because they're not King James. And he said, you can't go to that one. And, in, and he actually mentioned Tennessee Temple which was closer to my home. And he said, you can't go there because I'm not sure about their new president. <laughs> and so, um, Who I was well, it at the time that would have, I think been Jennings. Jennings yeah. Dr. Jennings. And uh, he just said, I don't know him. I'm not sure about him. So uh, he suggested Pensacola and uh, I wound up at PCC and as a public school kid, I went there with all these Christian school kids who were like, Oh my word, this place is so you know, strict. And I came out of a public school and I was surrounded by Christian kids and, and by the teachers who prayed with me, I'd never had a teacher pray. Mm. And honestly, I was all in, um, you know, people thought I was kind of weird probably, but I just, this is (laughs) awesome. I could not believe it. And, and my parents were pretty strict. We were raised, um, a little bit holiness. Mm -hmm. Um, so we were really strict. Uh, I mean, we were, we didn't, we didn't do anything. We didn't have a TV. Uh, We didn't, we didn't do anything. And, um, so when I got to Pensacola, some of my friends thought this place is so strict. I thought it was, I, I was like, 
Uh, I was like that movie, Freedom. (laughs) (laughs) This is awesome. But, uh, you know, um, I I always wanted to be an evangelist, and God opened that door for me. And uh, so I've traveled uh, for 27 years now almost Mm -hmm. in evangelistic work. We have a college that we help with in the Philippines. We have 500 students in our college. And uh, we have uh, an outreach into India, and I serve on several boards to uh, have evangelistic outreaches in other nations as well. Uh, I, my my theme verse is serve the Lord with gladness, mm. and uh, we've tried to do that for a long time. We're just happy people that serve the Lord, and we're a little more strict than some, but we're not mad about it. And, uh, <laughs> we're, we're very happy about it, and we're enjoying serving the Lord. So that's kind of my story. And uh, I wrote the article this week. I, I, I have not heard of you guys but uh, this phrase, recovering fundamentalist, kept coming up and just a week or so ago. Uh, I've only listened to a couple of your podcasts, and someone told me I probably should go back to get the full idea mm-hmm. and listen to some of the beginning ones. In fact, I haven't been able to do that yet, but it's on my list to do so. But uh, I, I wrote uh, the article I wrote this week in answer. Uh, I, I've had a lot of younger uh, guys in the independent Baptist world who've corresponded with me and what do you think? And, and, and you know, there's, there's some issues and there's some questions. So I wrote the article really, um, and, and it was obvious I wasn't attacking anybody, but I yeah. wrote it to, to let them know where I am and really to say to them, uh, yeah, are there issues perhaps in the independent Baptist world? Well, obviously there are. We got a whole podcast our friends have dedicated to it. But at the same time, there's some really great and godly people in it. And so that's really where I was coming from in my article. And I yeah. appreciate you guys receiving it well and corresponding with me about it. And uh, your grace has been noted and uh, duly noted. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. Thank you for that. Thank you. Well, we're honored that you would come on today. And I guess we should just jump right in. And if you want to go through each of the points and maybe as you list out one point, we can just kind of speak into that from our perspective. We don't really want to debate. We just want to give our answer. And if you want to push back a little bit, man, that would that would be great because I think we have a lot to learn here. And I do want to say up front, we know that there are good churches in the IFB. We know that there are some great pastors in the IFB, but we also know there's an extreme that we feel like needs to be held accountable. So if you want to walk through these point by point, we'll just have a discussion. Sure. I'll just jump right in then. So my first point was that uh, I don't consider myself a recovering fundamentalist because I believe there are some doctrines essential to the Christian faith. And uh, obviously, uh, I knew when I wrote that, that probably you guys, and I don't know you, but so it was an assumption on my part that you guys were fundamental in doctrine, meaning that you too believe there are some doctrines that are essential to the Christian Mm -hmm. faith. And without them, then we don't, we don't have a Christian faith. Agreed. uh, uh, I did make that statement first, uh, really not because it was that big of a deal. I thought it was kind of a given, but it was a jumping off point. Well, I thought that was a fair statement because most of the podcasts and articles that you find online about recovering from fundamentalism or ex-fundies or ex-fundamentalists, they're coming from an atheistic perspective or from someone that has walked away from the faith. So I thought that was a very good place for you to start. Sure. I couldn't agree more, you know, that there are fundamentals that that we all cling to. Uh, We talked uh, a few episodes ago about the open hand and the closed hand and the heels that we're willing to die on and the fundamentals of the faith, those things that are necessary to the faith, are things that all three of us would give our lives for if necessary. Mm-hmm. That's really good. I, I agree with you on that. So let's talk about the fundamentals, which actually started the fundamentalist movement. 
Yeah, most would say that that the list of fundamentals would be the inerrancy of Scripture, virgin that, birth of Christ, okay. the substitutionary atonement, the bodily resurrection, the reality of the miracles of Christ. And, and what I found as I started looking up fundamentals, there are varying takes on how they explain those. Yeah. And, okay. and that would that would be very normal. The books, the fundamentals that yeah. were written, you know, many years ago, actually cover all kinds of things because they were dealing in their generation with issues that uh, we don't know that much about because we didn't have the battles they had between liberalism and and you know and, and fundamentalism. But uh, most people would sum it up as the pretty basic ones that we believe the Bible is inerrant. And it does get muddy. The water does yeah. get muddy. And you guys would know that. And, and most people would know that because maybe one of the weaknesses of our movement is that some people, when they say the word fundamental now, mean everything from the style of your worship uh, to to whether or not you have a beard to the dress that you wear. Yeah, Those things are important and fine to talk about, have positions on and discuss, but they are not technically uh, an essential to the faith. So they're not part of the fundamentals. Yeah. So um, it's a good thing to discuss the fundamentals because we do have a young generation. I did tell somebody recently, uh, one of my independent Baptist brothers was a little upset at some of the younger guys and that they're, you know, there's some things they're changing. And I said, well, you know, there's one thing we can praise God about. Many of the younger guys have finally started saying, what does the Bible say? Yeah. And they've been running to the Bible, running to the Bible. And I'm all for that. Me too. So uh, the fundamentals are, are worth our discussing, and I think most of us uh, would agree on those. Yeah, and I will say that we, all three of us, agree on the five fundamentals as listed in the fundamentalist movement. Do you feel like maybe the five fundamentals don't go far enough? Because I would say personally that there are some things that need to be included, like the doctrine of original sin, the doctrine of the Trinity, justification by faith alone. We believe the fundamentals, but I, I think there's even more that most Orthodox Christians would say should be included in that list. Well, I think if you read the books, the fundamentals, you'd find that they are. Yeah. And uh, But what we've done is we've simplified it down in our culture and our generation to very simple terminologies. But obviously, there's a lot more. I think sometimes also uh, we're guilty of, of maybe in this current culture that we're living in, I think we're guilty sometimes of dumbing things down too much. Uh, for example, if, if you were to ask me the essential beliefs that we would list, sufficiency of Scripture, creation, evolution, and God's sovereignty, salvation and security, process of sanctification and maturity, worship, and then we have additional things like church membership, baptism and communion, and then we even include our church planting philosophy. But I agree with Nathan that I think sometimes this uh, micro list doesn't go far enough. Sure. And I have another question for you. Do you think that if we had stuck to the fundamentals rather than branching out into Bible versions and dress, and it's not enough to say sufficiency of Scripture, it has to be a specific version. Do you feel like if we had stuck to the fundamentals as they were started, do you think the IFB movement could have had a lot more unity? Well, I certainly think so. And and the fact of the matter is that inside the movement, uh, there, there came a point in which some of the, the more I researched the movement, somewhere along the way, some of our well-known big name leaders began leading by their authority and their preference rather Ooh. than just mm. like, like people ask me often, they'll say, what is your take on, on the scriptures? 
And, and depending on whether it's an older person or a younger person, I kind of know where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so uh, one of the things I have done, and I learned this from my father-in-law, who was a wonderful, um, amazing independent Baptist pastor, gentle, loving, uh, just a gracious man. He would have disagreed with you guys probably on any number of things, like maybe music or whatever, mm, yeah. but he would have been gracious to you and you would have liked him. Uh, you, you would have, you would have called him for advice mm -hmm. because he would have, and here's what he always did. He always said in anything you ask him, he would say, well, let me, let me think about that. And he would think for a moment and say, well, you know, the Bible says, mm. so when people come to me, I've learned this from my father-in-law, he's in heaven now and I miss him terribly. If someone says, okay, Dave Young, what's your take on the Bible? The first thing I want to do is not give my preference or my position, but to give the Bible position. Mm -hmm. And what I say, first of all, you know what? My position is this. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Yeah. And, yeah. and it was given by holy men who spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Mm. And, and God promised to give us his word. So I quote scripture, first of all, that, that is pointing us back to the fundamentals. Yeah. That's my take on that. All three of us, probably all four of us, we grew up in like a faith community that took the Bible very seriously. Mm -hmm. You know, we believed in the inerrancy. We were taught that correct doctrine mattered enormously for our lives and for eternity. I think we were raised to not only seek the conversion of non-Christians, but also, and sometimes maybe even more importantly, to shed light on incorrect or unbiblical beliefs of other Christians. Uh, you know, of all Christians, we alone had the full truth because it was our way or the highway. And that, that goes into that preference that you're talking about there, not Scripture. And I think what that did is it obligated us with the moral responsibility to speak up at any time someone expressed a belief or made a life choice that was incorrect or unbiblical or immoral. To stay silent was to affirm the error, I think, yeah. is the culture that we grew up in. And it's the preferences of man-made ideology that's adding to Scripture that takes you down some bad trails, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I can do that. And, and so that's why I started with saying, uh, no matter where we disagree here, uh, I don't consider myself a recovering fundamentalist because that implied, uh, first of all, to me, that we're leaving the fundamentals. Sure. And uh, so the first thing I wanted to clarify was that, no, I, I do believe in the fundamentals. And, and I'm aware of the fact that you guys do as well. Correct. And, and so we're in agreement on that. Yeah. The second thing I said was that I'm not a recovering fundamentalist because there's a difference in being a fundamentalist and being part of a particular group within the independent Baptist movement. And uh, the one thing I know as an evangelist inside the independent Baptist movement, the one thing I know for sure is that there are a wide variety yeah. of groups. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I wear a beard. And, and it's a joke. Someone said to me not long ago, why, why, why did you grow a beard? And, and their idea was, you're independent Baptist, why do you have a beard? <laughs> and I said, well, there, there's a reason. And the main reason I grew a beard is because there's some guys in the independent Baptist world I don't want to preach for. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I have a beard. That's good. They don't invite me <laughs> because I'm, I'm not in their, their camp. So, see, it, it separates me from a camp that I don't agree with, even in the independent Baptist world. So I was talking to a pastor this past week who would be a lot like you. He would consider himself an independent Baptist, yet he's a really gracious guy, well-studied, articulate. And we were talking, and he kept referring to himself as an independent Baptist. And I said, I think you need a new label. I, I don't believe you, you are an independent Baptist in that you align yourself with the independent Baptist movement. Why couldn't you be a Baptist who is unaffiliated? You're not a part of any convention, and rather than, than lump yourself 
in this this pile, this camp, and then have it explained to people, well, there's so many different kinds of independent Baptists. Well, there's so many different kinds of contemporary, and there's so many different kinds of other branches and brands of, of the Christian faith. Wouldn't it be better to say, rather than I'm an independent Baptist, I'm a Baptist, and I'm unaffiliated with any convention? Well, that is true. My, my daughter's pastor, Dr. Paul Chapel, actually tried that term. He tried to say because of some of the groups in the independent Baptist world that he no longer aligned with. And the independent Baptist world was getting a bad name on the news. There were some programs that were run. And so he, in California, started calling himself unaffiliated Baptist. The problem with it is it doesn't ring. It's like, it's like, you know, somebody said, you know, well, maybe the recovering fundamentalist should have called themselves something different if they're fundamentalist. Yeah, but it doesn't have any ring to it. Right. And, it, and, and, and so it wouldn't make any sense. So, uh, you know, the best thing to do is say, you know, I'm Baptist. I thought for years I was Southern Baptist because I grew up in the South. Then I actually got educated <laughs> and found out that, oh, Southern Baptists actually have a convention and we're not part of the convention. So we're not Southern Baptist. But I didn't know that. So I had to learn that. So the idea of groups within the independent Baptist world, there's a variety of us. And, and one thing I have noticed in the podcast that I've listened to you guys and, and a little bit of research into where you're coming from, there, there does seem to be at least a little bit of one or two, one in particular, but maybe two groups especially that get a lot of the focus in, in what you guys are discussing. Like I go to a church that is unaffiliated, uh, that is independent Baptist, but it's not in the circle where, you know, women were beat up because they didn't wear culottes. Mm-hmm. And we will have ladies in our church that wear them. And we will have ladies in our church that don't. So part of the reason my take was different is because uh, all the mail I've gotten this week from my, my article that I wrote has evidenced me so many things. But uh, there were some people in definite groups that were beat to death in some ways that I've never been a part of the group that was beat to death. Mm-hmm. And I've been independent Baptist all my life. But nobody ever beat me to death. And the couple of times I got around it, I resisted it. And I walked out and said, I'm never coming back. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I didn't listen to those guys anymore. If you always believe in pointing to a verse, what verse do you point to that gives a scriptural mandate to be a part of a denomination, period? Are you asking me if I'm part of a denomination and if I were, what verse I would give? Yes, because independent Baptist is a denomination, whether we want to call it that or not. It's the Church of Christ. They say they're not a denomination, but yet everyone knows Church of Christ is a denomination. Yeah, they're a denomination, if you mean by denomination, a group that thinks alike, that identifies alike. They, they don't have a hierarchy that handles funds and finances. So there are some difference in, say, the the Southern Baptist Convention as a denomination, because there's a definite, a definite advantage that is a given if you're in the Southern Baptist world. Uh, there's financial advantages, there's uh, groups advantages, there are retirement advantages. Uh, in the independent Baptist world, uh, there aren't those same advantages. So there are some differences there. But I, I've always believed, and, and there was a time where people would say this, they would say, well, you know, the Bible is silent on that. But I, I've got to think in my, I've changed my thinking on that. I don't know that the Bible is ever silent on anything. There's not explicit statements about everything. Like the Bible doesn't ever mention the word kulats. Uh, so, uh, so where did we get this idea? Well, it was a, a normal choice by some people in that particular world. And for a while across many denominations, it wasn't just independent Baptist. 
they probably were the ones who went to seed on it to where it became the standard. And if you weren't there, in the words of a few people you've had on your podcast, uh, they were heifers and, <laughs> and, and or worse um, by dressing that way. But I believe the Bible gives us uh, all kinds of, of leadership. There's principles, there's explicit statements, but especially the principles that guide us and lead us. And, and what we try to do in our home and our family and our ministry is we always try to look for a verse to say, okay, here's our decision. What, what could we find that would guide us here, that would lead us here? And we're always as a family. We meet with our children and we say, here's why we do what we do, because we do believe the Bible teaches this. Like, for instance, in the dress thing, that, that's a big issue, especially in the independent Baptist world. And our family would have been on the more conservative side of things. We were very kind about it. But I remember the day that I sat down with my daughter and I said, sweetheart, do you understand why we did what we did from the Bible, the, the perspective we had? We thought the Bible said this. This is why we tried to do that. And, and my daughter, she, you know, she's heading into college and she said, I absolutely understand. And I said, you do know, don't you, that there are different applications to a biblical principle. Mm -hmm. And you may go to college and apply this passage differently than your mother and I have applied it. And my commitment to her was this. If you can come back to me and say, you know, Daddy, this is what I think the Bible teaches, and this is why I'm doing what I'm doing, what you're going to find out is your dad's going to say, God bless you, yeah. even if you totally disagree with how I've believed. So I don't believe the Bible is silent on anything. I believe there's different interpretations and there's different applications. And, and sometimes I think it's the Holy Spirit's leading because where you guys may be and where I may be and my background and your background or the issue of my heart or the issue of somebody else's heart, we all take the Word of God and the Holy Spirit guides us and we grow in grace from where we are to where the Holy Spirit is leading us. Yeah, I heard growing up that there are basically three different levels of teachings in the Bible. One is precept. That's where the Bible's absolutely clear. This is a law. This is a commandment. Very clear. Then there's a principle that, you know, you can make different applications. Then there's practical applications of those things. And I just want to say, Dr. Dave, if I were in your church or if you were my pastor growing up, I would probably still be independent fundamental Baptist because what you just said, what you just explained was so full of grace and so opposite of what I saw growing up. But talking about biblical principles and not elevating those principles to doctrine status, not elevating tradition over scripture, that that's a totally different picture of what I grew up with. You know, I am learning that. Um, the, the second blog article I posted today was about what I'm learning after posting the first article. And one of the things I'm learning is that there apparently has been in the independent Baptist world certain groups that, that did abuse doctrine, that did abuse the scripture, that did elevate preferences and positions, and they strained at gnats and swallowed some really big camels in the process. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm totally against that. The, the issue for me was that uh, I was just never part of that world. And, uh, you know, I, I got saved, and the guy that led me to Christ was an independent Baptist preacher who was just loving and gentle and gracious and kind. And uh, I, just, I just thought it was awesome. And then uh, I met my father-in-law when I married into his family, and, and he would have been very strict. Uh, like his music, Southern Gospel to him was not good. <laughs> it's <I> not. Remember... <laughs> <laughs> we agree. <laughs> I remember that he took me to a preacher's fellowship in Columbus, Ohio, and they had a Southern Gospel band. And it was it was the real deal as far as uh, the drums and the whole works. And uh, And he would never have allowed that in his church. 
and would never have listened to that. And so, but I grew up on that. So I was sitting in the service, tapping my foot and, and enjoying the service. And I remember we got in his truck afterwards and, and, and Pastor Dennis, my father-in-law said, well, son, I saw your unsanctified leg keeping time with that music. <laughs> That's funny. And, uh, <laughs> I hope and, you know that you're sitting here with two former Southern gospel singers, JC and Brian, have both sung yeah, professionally. Yeah. <laughs> Nathan was an interpretive dancer. No. <laughs> I think that's the best crack ever in the history of the podcast. Come on, let's go. I think, you know, listening to this and thinking about it, there's a challenge to leaving the IFB. There's also a challenge of staying in. Mm. Neither is easy. Yeah. And I think the folks that we're hearing, Dr. Dave, or the stories of people that have left and the shunning. I mean, just today we heard from a missionary in Spain that's telling stories because they didn't keep the church's standard and went completely opposite of what the pastor said. And they got stuck in Spain with no support, with all the churches being sent this letter. We have read letters with our own eyes from IFB pastors because of people that go against those standards that we're talking about on here, mm-hmm. the dress, the music, the the way they do their hair, like mm-hmm. it's crazy, stupid things, if I can say, that they're completely written off. And I think just as challenging as it is to leave, in some instances, some of the stories that we're getting from people that are saying, please don't say my name, please don't read my story, there's a challenge in staying in mm-hmm. some of these IFB churches. Yeah. You know, what I was getting at a few moments ago with the unaffiliated. What I'm saying is I think you're grouped in Mm -hmm. with the crowd, regardless of your intent. Um, I think it's, it's almost guilt by association in my mind. When I hear independent Baptist, my mind automatically goes to my experience. I understand that. And what I've noticed is that most people does. Mm -hmm. And, And that's, that's an interesting statement. Uh, because my experience has been the exact opposite. Yeah. Have I, am I aware? You know, I, I remember going to hear a preacher one time and in the service, he was rude to his wife. He was rude about women. Uh, he was a little bit on the racist side of things and just, just several off the wall things. And I will tell you, it's the last time I ever heard him. Mm-hmm. I said, that is not me. That is not us. I don't know why people went to hear him. Yeah. And uh, it's it, so, because I was surrounded by like my father-in-law, I mean, you know, you wouldn't have known him, but he was a man that very faithfully pastored a church for 47 years, loved people. Uh, it took us four hours to get the line by his casket to show their respects. The night, And it was a snowstorm. He was just a loved man. That was the world I grew up in. Would there be parts in this uh, world of the independent Baptist that I have distanced myself from? You know, I joked about the beard thing in a moment ago, but there's some kind of truth to that. There is. A man who doesn't want me to come preach for him because I have a beard yeah. is probably a man I don't want to preach for. True. And, and so, um, yeah, I guess I am unaffiliated. Uh, I go to a church that would be uh, independent and would be Baptist, and our pastor is an expositional preacher, and we win souls and we disciple, and we have uh, people of all walks of life. We have some very mature conservatives, you know, what they would call separated Christians, but we have some many people in our church who um, are, are still smoking cigarettes. Mm. So I would ask this, uh, your father-in-law, for example, the night you were in the revival meeting and the Southern gospel group performed, you know, there are different views in the independent Baptist world on music. I grew up in the camp meeting world where the more lively it was and the more people shouted and the more people praised, the better it was. But 
what do you do with a text? You know, for example, when the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea and the women took up tambourines and they played and they danced and they sang and God never said, stop, (laughs) you're offending me. How do we arrive at this place where it's wrong to play music that allows you to show expression? Well, we arrive there because in, in, in our movements and Christianity, we have very prominent people who develop systems of thought and they influence people. And my father, great answer. My father-in-law would have been raised on Southern gospel, but two things happened to him. One was that he got to know personally a Southern gospel group. And he said to me one day, uh, I'm disappointed in them. They're not the real deal mm-hmm. on the platform. They were so spiritual, but behind the scenes, he said, son, I, I didn't know they lived that way. True. And, and my father-in-law said, yep. I'm done with that. Yep. Well, then he found another guy teaching the kind of music you're supposed to have and, and embrace them. But here's the thing I loved about him. Uh, he knew that I liked Southern gospel uh, because that was, I just, I liked happy music and, uh, that was my favorite, and and yet he never was rude to me about it. He never said, you know, you're ungodly for listening to that. That's great. He taught me that this is why I do what I do, son. And sometimes he would caution me, you got to be careful. And uh, and you know, I, I got I got to tell you, the I learned so much from him. Like for instance, uh, he always had uh, Tim Lee. Do you guys know who that name? Yeah, I do. I know uh, Tim. I know Tim, Tim really well. Tim was one of dad's men that he would have in all the time to preach. Mm -hmm. Well, then brother Tim started doing more with the Southern Baptist convention. And so my dad-in-law said one day to the church, I I don't think I can have brother Tim back to preach because I don't agree with some of the things he does now. Okay. Well, we didn't have him back. Well, then two or three or four years later, I was in a Sunday morning service and my father-in-law got up and said to the church, "Uh, church, you remember Tim Lee And, and people nodded all over the building. And he said, uh, I just got word this week that Brother Lee has a a big financial need, mm. and and uh, he's really going through a struggle. And he said, "Church, I, I would it be okay with you if, as a church, we send him a thousand dollars because we love him. He's our brother in Christ." Mm. Wow! And, and I was amazed by that. I sat on the front row thinking, you know what? My dad in law is the real deal. Yeah, mm-hmm. he knows what he believes. He he he's conservative musically, conservative in dress. He's not going to have Brother Lee because Brother Lee is now Southern Baptist or whatever. But at the same time, he taught his people that that he's our brother and we love him. And although I don't schedule him anymore, he's got a need. and We're going to send him $1,000 and we're going to let him know that he's our brother and we love him. And that's, that, awesome. that's the world I grew up in, hmm. uh, the world that I've been a part of over the last number of years. Uh, like, like there's a church in Alabama that I preach for every year. The pastor's older. He's never been on a podcast in his life, probably never listened to one. <laughs> but every year that I go back, his church has grown because he's won some other family to Christ and they're bigger. And, and I've had people saved in our revival campaigns in his church every year that are there the next year because he's discipled them. Uh. And, and so when, when I thought, when I first listened to the podcast, what I heard was, uh, get out of the independent Baptist world. Those people are idiots. And and I know that's not what, what you would say. Uh, so my article was, you know, I know a ton of guys in this movement that are really genuine. Yeah. Sure. And those are the men I identify with. Now, having said that, I will also tell you that uh, it's become very apparent in the last few days as I've gotten a lot of email that there have been men in our movement and groups within the independent Baptist world that have done great damage. Mm. And I'm against them. Yeah. I, 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 I've never been a part of them. But I, I'm glad I wasn't. 
I'm so glad I was never in a world that believed some of the stuff that I'm finding out that people believed and taught. Yeah. And I'm against that. So that's good. My, my experience has been different. So we do come at it from different experiences. Sure. I agree with and, that. About that. Hey, let's move on to point number three. I am not in the recovering fundamentalist camp because sin needs repentance, correction, and separation instead of ridicule and humor. <laughs> that's a, Let me mute my mic real quick. <laughs> uh, here was my concern about that one. My concern about that one was that uh, when I first listened to to your podcast the first time, uh, there were several jokes about uh, and and people talking about, um, you know, there was jokes about like say um, culottes on women or whether or not you went to the movies and those kind of things. But, but what, I, what I realized, and, and later I, I heard you guys deal with the fact that, no, there were things that were blatantly sinful yeah. uh, in the areas where we grew up. Mm-hmm. And, and, and maybe I'm a little too serious at times about it. Uh, but uh, I, I've always hesitated in, 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 in joking about the group. You know, like I did discover that IFB preacher clips thing on Twitter. And, and, and sometimes I don't know whether to laugh or cry. Yeah, same. Uh, mm. And that's not us, by the way. Mm. Yeah, I don't know whether to laugh or 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 get on my face and fast for the next week. Mm. We're with you. We agree with that. Uh, yeah. I, I'm like, so here was my thinking on that. I uh, I I'm in the fundamental Baptist world, and I believe that sin needs to be repented of. Mm. Uh, I believe those who were immoral need to repent. Mm-hmm. I, I believe I believe there are many in jail that need to be there, and probably some more who should be as well. So I, I hesitate to joke about it. And that was my, my, my take on that last one there. Uh, my fear was that some would listen to a podcast and hear humor about shorts on guys or, you know, whether or not you preach in a tie or women in culottes and miss the fact that, that there's things in the world that are wrong here in this independent Baptist world that does demand repentance and, and correction and separation. Yeah. So for me, this is how I've always handled those things. When, when I, 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 I don't want to mention names, but when I would hear certain guys preach as a, as a new Christian or as a college student, I would say, you know what? I disagree with that biblically. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going back to hear him. I'm not promoting him. I'm not going to that fellowship. I'm not going to that school um, because I believe there should have been repentance correction. And so what I did was separate. Yeah. And so that was my heart in the third one. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, and I think you did a really good job of calling out the sins of the IFB in that section. You dealt with a lot of things, and and as I was taking notes on it, I said we couldn't have said it better ourselves, and I'm really thankful that you were willing to come onto the podcast and talk about that. And if you haven't read uh, Dr. Dave Young's article, you need to look that up on Twitter. It's a really good article. You guys need to stop calling me Dr. Dave. I'm <laughs> sorry. It's That's how we were introduced to you, through that article. So that's, that's stuck oh, in my oh. head. But we do agree that sin needs repentance, correction, and separation. That's why we've left the movement. However, ridicule and humor do not stand in opposition to these actions. I don't think ridicule or humor stand in opposition to correction, repentance, and separation. I think they can bolster them. We actually thank God for humor. And so many people have reached out to us and said, 
I was an atheist. I left church altogether. I thought the IFB world was all there was, and I had it characterized in such a way that I just thought God hated me, or I thought I was a terrible person, so I walked away. And they said that when they started listening to us, our humor was what drew them in. I do want to ask you this. I acknowledge that there is an inappropriate way to use humor and ridicule, but I also believe that there's a very appropriate way to use humor and ridicule. We see in the Bible it is modeled to use ridicule as a proper reaction to pride and sinful behavior, and I also know that ridicule is a huge part of some sects of the IFB world where they absolutely annihilate anybody that disagrees with them. So when a guy stands up from the pulpit and basically implies that I am, no, he clearly says that anybody that disagrees with him or anybody who doesn't use a certain version is not even a Christian, I really don't mind using ridicule to to speak out against something that's so far from what Scripture says. I, I understand that. And, and, and I will tell you, though, I, for me, I'm always hesitant because I realize, uh, I realize along the way, especially at this age of my life, I can sometimes imply things in humor that I don't mean. And so I'm very cautious about humor. And, and like I know, like you, I, I've heard on the podcast, you guys occasionally joke, you know, the thing about, you know, shorts uh, on boys or culottes on women and, and, and those kinds of things. Um, uh, part of my caution about my using humor for me is that I do know some really sweet, genuine people that have no ax to grind, but that is their standard. Yeah. And I never want to be guilty of violating their conscience because they believe they're following the Lord. They're not going to yell at you for not doing it, but yeah. they legitimately are trying to follow the Lord. So I'm cautious about it. Not that it's wrong, and you would find out if you knew me that that I probably joke too much. I I do <laughs> I do love to laugh, and I laugh a lot, and and we we use humor all the time in our family, and even in my ministry. So, do they believe they're following the Lord, or are they following a man? Because if they had just read the Bible, if all they had, if they'd been born on an island, just their family and just a copy of God's Word, would they have ever arrived at that dress code? I, sometimes I wonder why it's okay to let people to continue to believe that what they're doing is following the Lord when the Lord has nothing to do with it. Well, I, I do understand that. But like, take, for instance, the dress thing, slacks on women. Um, obviously, that's a big deal within some sectors of the independent Baptist world. But for my, like my family, uh, my, my grandmother would have been influenced by the World War, War, World War II generation before pants ever became practical, common, normal dress attire for any lady. You know, in those days, all ladies wore dresses. Mm-hmm. You would rarely have seen a lady in a pair of slacks. And then obviously in the World War II generation, as ladies began working outside their home and things began to change and the husbands were gone to war, slacks became more commonplace. But um, like my, my grandmother never wore them. And so my mother never wore them. And so my sister never wore them. And, and it wasn't necessarily, um, somewhere along the way, there were people that questioned it, marked it, and it did become a biblical issue to them. Like, I, I have a friend who uses the Deuteronomy 22 passage 
as his basis for why his wife doesn't wear it. I know there's any number of different interpretations for that, but I also know that he's not angry. He's not immoral. uh, He believes in that part of the law that it applies to his life. And, and, and he can teach that very, well, I'm not going to fuss with him about it because at the end of the day, Romans 14 tells me that I've got to give an account to God. He's got to give an account to God. I'm not going to wound his conscience. Now, if there's a point in which, um, like I, I know one, uh, I heard a preacher refer to the dress standard, and he said, you know, he uses the term whores and hussies and heifers. Okay, well, my point there is not so much that the dress standard is the issue at that point. Uh, his spirit is the issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he he's way over the line in how he treats women. Christianity has always elevated womanhood. And when the independent Baptist world denigrates womanhood, we got a serious problem because now the issue is no longer dressed. The issue is our spirit and how we're handling it. And and I would be against that. So as far as like uh, on the um, the comment I made, um, some of the things, and, and let, me, let me tell you how I, I address these. Not that it's wrong to joke about women wearing culottes or to laugh about whether or not guys wear shorts. The interesting thing was that I was raised never to wear shorts. I do now. Um, but I, I was raised not to wear them, and I wasn't even permitted to swim in them. Uh, although, Same. as a young man growing up on the farm, we 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 could, as the guys, after we were working hard, run down to the swimming hole. We could we could do what we would have called skinny dipping, but we couldn't wear shorts. <laughs> <laughs> and one day I thought about that, and I thought, you know, something's wrong there. Yeah, it's <laughs> not that's not technically right. Um, uh, so is there humor in that? Well, you probably, there's humor in that. That's, that's just, that's just funny. No matter how you slice it. Yeah. Uh, but the thing I don't want to do is I don't want to be in, in my use of ridicule, uh, over those standards. I don't, I don't want to damage godly people who really are trying to follow the Lord and, and maybe have not learned as much as I know, or maybe have not matured as uh, to a level where maybe others have, or haven't even discovered that they have liberty to do yeah. differently. Yeah, and I, would but I don't s- ridicule them so that they throw it all out in oh my word, and then they choose something new that has nothing to do with the Bible either. Yeah, and I and think so there's wisdom in that. And I think there's wisdom in that. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. And uh, one thing I would say to uh, Doctor Dave, <laughs> yeah, so, right? I'm not a real doctor. Okay. <laughs> okay. And Dave, one thing you just said that uh, that has been difficult for me, even in this podcast, to some degree. I'd completely separated myself from all things independent Baptist. If it were independent Baptist, then I was going to have absolutely nothing to do with it. And this podcast has forced me to be silent and to be gracious Hmm. and listen to people that I radically disagree with. Mm -hmm. We've done podcasts, made statements, asked questions that have given people an opportunity to repent of things that are obvious that they need to repent for, and there has been a lack of repentance. It's been really difficult for me in that withdrawing is not an option because these things need to be revealed. These things need to be brought to light. And and so here's, here's my question. Okay. Instead of withdrawing, how does someone as articulate and educated and well-studied and gracious as you are, by the way, I'm loving this conversation. Me too. Um, I could meet you and talk for hours. How does someone like you, 
become an agent of change, that this is absolutely unacceptable. How does someone like you say, you know, we're not wearing the title IFB anymore. That's not required to be Baptist in our beliefs and unaffiliated. That's a good question. How do I stay in a world that has a name in many respects of, of, of blatant immorality, abuse of scripture, uh, unwise practices in some areas? How do you stay in that world? Let me back up and, and just something occurred to me the other day. I was thinking about, because I was doing a little studying, reviewing a little bit on where did this independent Baptist world come from? Uh, Long before uh, there was an independent Baptist world, there were godly people, about 1900 and some years of church history without independent Baptists, and they Mm -hmm. did pretty good without us. (laughs) And, uh, And, you know, we came out of the Southern Baptist and the Northern Baptist and the conservative Baptist conventions, and it was interesting. I was reading in a history book and noticing there was the the group that left, they just said, we're done. We're going to go do something totally different. They became independent Baptists. In the Southern Baptist Convention, which I'm most familiar with, there were men like um, Adrian Rogers who said, no, we're staying. Yeah. We're fighting for what is right. And, and, and the first answer I would give you, the, the reason I can stay in the movement is because, um, first of all, uh, I, I'm a Christian first and foremost. Uh, at the end of the day, I'm not independent Baptist. I'm a husband to Bethley Joy, and I'm striving very diligently to be the godly husband that she deserves and that the Bible commands me to be. At the end of the day, I'm not independent Baptist. At the end of the day, I'm a daddy to Abby, Josh, Matt, Jake, and Charity, and I'm going to have family devotions with them at night, and we're going to laugh and play games and watch a movie. Uh, we're going. I'm daddy. At the end of the day, I'm I'm a friend. At the end of the day, for, so first and foremost. I can stay in because my whole world is not IFB. Uh, I'm a daddy. I'm a husband. I'm a friend. I'm a mentor. Uh, I'm, I'm boss of this little team that I have that makes up our evangelistic ministry. Uh, but I'm also friend and mentor to those guys. Uh, so first and foremost, how do you stay in and, and affect a change? Well, first of all, I can stay in because I'm me. And, and I'm more than an independent Baptist. Mm. I'm a Christian first and foremost, uh, the real deal. Secondly, I would answer your question there is because um, I preach the word, the, the word of God. And, and, and I, have, um, I have always believed that a man is disqualified from ministry when he abuses the pulpit, when he is immoral, Amen. when, when he is um, uh, speaking uh, lies Truth. in the name of, yeah. of the church. And, and for some reason, there are men in the movement that are not the same in the pulpit and out of the pulpit. And, and I've come to a new age in my, my, my ministry. I'm, I'm 50, and it's a whole different perspective. For the first time, uh, I am now on, um, I'm now on platforms where I'm the elder. It's the weirdest feeling in the world. <laughs> and so it is a new uh, – my thinking has changed because I no longer have the option of just, just saying things because what I say now carries eldership weight, if I can use that word. And, and, it, and I, I realized for the first time, I have a new platform to where uh, young men will come to me and say, you know, I'm done with the independent Baptist world because of pastor so-and-so and what he did. Well, I can back up and say, well, you're not him, are you? You're not part of him. Were you ever part of him? And, and, and I understand a guy said to me today, uh, there's people in my town that have identified with the independent Baptist world 
and, and we just shut our church down and reopened it as a Bible church. You know what? I, I don't know if I'd have done the same thing he did or not, but the gospel in his town is more important than whether or not I, I feel that the independent Baptist world is right. Yeah. Wow. Um, if, if I were pastoring in a town where, you know, the, the big dog independent Baptist church in town, the pastor winds up in jail, uh, that would affect how I would change things in my town because the gospel is more important than my denomination. Hmm. Uh, there's a reason I'm independent Baptist. There's a reason, but at the same time, uh, I guess in answer to your question, I'm at finally at the age, and this is the first time this has been true in my life. I've always been the young guy, but I'm realizing, especially now that I have two kids who are in ministry themselves, serving in churches and, and working in Bible colleges and things like that, um, I, I'm in a new level of mentoring. And I don't know that I could, um, I, I think this is okay to say, I don't know that there's a platform to get up and say, the independent Baptist world has to change this. But here's what I can do. Number one, I can be the real deal. Mm-hmm. Number two, I can fellowship with those who are the real deal. Number three, I can refuse to fellowship with anybody in this movement who thinks, uh, who is outside what I believe to be the real deal. Yeah. And here's where I was going a moment ago, and I got sidetracked. It always has bothered me when I saw a man in the pulpit acting a certain way, being a certain way, get him out of the pulpit. He's an entirely different person. Hmm. You sit at the table with him, and it's like, oh, he's a gentleman. Why was he such a jerk in the pulpit? <laughs> and and I, think, I, I think that's wrong. It is. I, I really believe that we should be the same in the pulpit and out of the pulpit. Mm. When my children see me working on the RV, they should know it's the same dad that they'll see tonight when he's standing on a platform teaching the Bible. Yeah. And, and, and all I know to do is mentor a new generation in this movement that, first of all, you don't have to be them. Uh, and second of all, uh, you can be godly in the independent Baptist world. But thirdly, I can tell you, um, I, I, I call people to separate from those who are wrong. Mm. Why go to a conference with a pastor that's a jerk yeah. or that's been accused of immorality? Uh, what are you thinking? And, and there is a well-known, prominent independent Baptist preacher who stayed a long time in a movement with people that were accused of all kinds of junk. And apparently there's a lot of truth to what they were accused of. And finally, when push came to shove, he, he, he left. And, and then he called me and said, uh, I just want you to know that I left. And well, I, I was a little hard on him because my deal was, well, I'm glad you left, bro, but you were there a long time. Hmm. When, when did you decide it was okay? When did you decide it wasn't okay? So I'm telling a new generation of young, I don't know that I can help older guys who are messed up and do I say the word stupid about some things <laughs> after the last two episodes, you can say whatever you want, brother. <laughs> but I can say to young guys, um, if you're independent Baptist and you're the real deal, then you can stay here. So let's move on to number four. This is quickly becoming like an independent Baptist sermon where the first two or three points you spend an hour on and the last three or four, you're just like 30 really seconds. Covered. We've really kind of covered number four. Number four is I'm not in the recovering fundamentalist camp because some of the issues mentioned by recovering fundamentalists are somewhat silly to address, is what I would say. Mm-hmm. So is it how much time do we give to whether or not a man wears shorts? Yeah. So we've kind of addressed that already. So we've kind of addressed that. Let's, so here was number five. I'm not in the recovering fundamentalist because growth is a better word than recovery. Now, I got shot at a little heavy for that one. 
Uh, first yeah, of all, this is the one up. I would push back on. You guys have some pretty good friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> so for the record, I got some some emails as well this week because they thought I was attacking you. Sure. Yeah. And uh, but but let me let me tell you where I'm coming from. That it's probably semantics in some respects. But I, I one of the things I sometimes discover in our revivals and our independent Baptist movement is that I meet people who 20 years ago left the independent Baptist world but are still bitter and angry about some way a preacher said things about dress. Well, here's my take on that. How long are you going to be recovering? How, where, where do you draw the line? So to me, the word growth was the better word because uh, how, how do you overcome uh, the damage someone does to you by the way they taught you standards or whatever? And, and at least this is my take on things. And, and obviously you, you may take a different now and, and probably will. But my take on it is that, that first of all, you grow in grace. Uh-huh. When my position fails to make me more like Jesus, I'm not growing in grace. You know, like some of my friends will, you know, discover the sovereignty of God as if it's a new doctrine. <laughs> and, and, and all of a sudden they become argumentative and, and they, they diss everybody that doesn't see the sovereignty of God in the same way that they do. True. And the nice. first thing I always warn them about is this. Uh, your position hasn't yet made you like Jesus, so mm. you need to keep working on your position. Come yeah, on. I told someone today, if your theology makes you proud, yeah. you've got something wrong. Your right. theology yes. should make you humble. That's good. Yes. So so here, here's how I, I – I'll just kind of go through how I wrote it. Uh, each of us should seek to grow in grace as we allow the Word of Christ to dwell us richly in all wisdom. As I apply God's Word to my life, the first thing I find out is – that, that God calls me to forgiveness. So I have to forgive those who wronged me. Uh, it doesn't mean that the wrong goes away. It means that they owe me a debt for what they did to me that they can't pay. Yeah. So I release the debt. You can't pay it, so I'm not going to let the debt control the rest of my life. Uh, and and, and if, if there are people that your podcast is affecting who have been damaged, who have been hurt, uh, who are are struggling to overcome, the first step they have to do is is forgive. Yeah, and to me that's growing. Not and and is it semantics? Maybe, uh, maybe the better way for me to say it is to recover. You have to grow. Yeah, that's good. You you have to forgive, and 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 it doesn't correct. It doesn't mean the hurt was not there, and the hurt doesn't go away. It just means you're no longer holding the debt. That person no longer owes you because they can't pay you anyway. Mm-hmm. And, and then you can respond in kindness, tenderness, and and spiritual fruitfulness. And I would say that before we push back, I think Brian and I both want to answer a little bit. But before we push back, our listeners need to hear that. Our, yes. our listeners need to be challenged that, yes, you have been done wrong but the proper answer is forgiveness. So thank you for sharing that. And I pray that some of our listeners that have never been willing to listen to a guy like you before would listen and hear that because that is the voice of wisdom. It really is. And and again, you're just such a gracious man. And so my statement wouldn't be against you, and I hope you wouldn't take sure. it to That's be okay. against you. But you have this line that uh, you're to live by biblical truth and seek the leadership of the Holy Spirit to help you live truth. That's what led me away from being an independent Baptist. That is why I'm no longer an independent Baptist. 
because I did that. As a matter of fact, uh, when I started living the truth, seeking the truth, diving into God's word, listening to true expositional preaching, when I started listening to men who their view of doctrine was shaped by the scripture rather than their doctrinal view shaping their view of scripture, uh-huh. that changed everything in my life. So the reason I'm no longer a part of that movement, denomination, camp, circle, whatever you want to call it, is because of the work of the Holy Spirit in my life leading me into truth. And I was the one who said that I hope there's a day when there's no such thing as an independent Baptist. Now, is it great that there will be Baptists who are unaffiliated? That's fine. (laughs) But uh, I am that person who would say living into truth is an exit from that. So, but you would also say, wouldn't you, that you, if you're independent Baptist and you are growing in grace and living in truth and walking in the spirit, that's okay, isn't it? Yes, if you're a Baptist unaffiliated. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And if I could give just a little bit of pushback on this, this is the statement that I I put down because I wanted to be very concise in how I answered this. Dave, growth is a better word than recovery. I absolutely agree with you on that. However, sin does need to be confronted. There is a need for the sins of the IFB to be called out. And... Recovery or healing needs to take place before growth can happen. This is, this is really what I wanted to speak into on this. Our approach is intended to reach those whose lives have been negatively affected by fundamentalist legalism in the church, and this will necessarily rub people inside of the IFB world the wrong way because we're not going after people that are happy and doing well in the IFB world. We're speaking to extremes. And so many people send us messages week after week saying, you're broad brushing the whole IFB movement. Well, if you go back and listen to multiple, almost every one of our episodes, we do say we know there are good guys in the IFB, but we're dealing with the abuse within it. So I would push back on that and say growth is a better word, but recovery and healing needs to happen before growth can happen. Yeah, I, I, I think I can agree with you, although I might would push back a little bit and say they need to happen simultaneously because we are to be growing in grace. And, and, and I will agree with you, men, that the independent Baptist world has some real issues in certain circles within it. But I've been in the world of, of independent Baptist for 27 years, and, and most of the churches that I'm with— uh, you would be okay in, and they're they're unaffiliated Baptists. Um, <laughs> they are uh, they are loving, they are gentle. Uh, my father in law pastored; he was my pastor for eighteen years, and and he was gracious. In fact, the other day, uh, a man in our town who graduated from Rod Parsley's school, mm-hmm. uh, who pastors a very charismatic contemporary church in the town where my father-in-law pastored. Hmm. He actually, in honor of my father-in-law's, I think it was his birthday, or maybe it was the day that he passed away, he posted an article on the 10 reasons why he loved Pastor Dennis. Hmm. And it was because Pastor Dennis had mentored him, 
had loved him, had counseled him, had helped him to know how to handle his church. Uh, and and I, I think I think I understand that uh, when you guys write, you're thinking of the, can I just say, the Jack Scops. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, even, uh, you know, I, I went to some of the camp meetings. I, I wasn't my life, but I went occasionally. And, and usually I walked away. Um, but um, for every, you know, the Jack Scops, I've never been a part of that. Yeah. And I've disagreed with them. The first time I ever heard the man preach a sermon, I said to my wife, that's unbiblical. Mm-hmm. And the next time I heard him preach a sermon, I said, that's immoral. And the next time I heard him preach a sermon, I said, that's the last one. <laughs> I'll never listen to another one. Yeah. And, and did people get saved? Well, yes. And like Paul, I would rejoice that, that people did get saved. But I would not. And, and I know there are many independent Baptists who would not be a part of that, would absolutely reject that. Well, earlier you mentioned uh, Adrian Rogers. Uh, he was a champion for the cause of Christ. Uh, right before he died, um, he invited a few young men from across the country to come and uh, to allow him to speak over them and mentor them. I was privileged to be chosen as one of those young men. That had the be. opportunity to go spend several days with him, hmm. and he just poured into us. And I asked a question, and Adrian Rogers responded. He had that booming voice. Uh, by the way, they videoed him from uh, a lower position, upward on his platform so he looked much taller than he was but his his voice was so intimidating and just his whole disposition he was just he was so respectable he was such a class act and i asked a question that led him to say this he said brian do you believe that jesus is able to take care of his bride and i said yes sir he said well then you take care of yours and you let him take care of his so what this ultimately comes down to, Jesus is able to take care of his church. He yeah. will separate the wheat from the tares, yes. uh, the true from the false. And so our dependence at the end of the day is on Jesus to care for uh, his church. And I want to say something that's totally out of my box. It seems like my box has expanded a little bit in the last three weeks. But I want to quote Phil Kidd because I think – He was very right about something he said on our podcast. He said, there are people that you're going to reach that I'll never reach. And there are people that I'm going to reach that you will never reach. And I think there's room for us to say that within people that choose to stay within the IFB movement and people that choose to leave it. Some of the people that have reached out to us would have never, they've told us, we would have never walked in to another church, much less an IFB church, but we heard about your podcast and God is using you to minister to us. We've had five or six people who've been saved just from listening to our podcast, hearing the gospel, opening the Bible something they hadn't done in 10 or 12 years, opening the Bible and coming back to faith in Christ. So, wow. Dave, I'm thankful that you're staying in the movement. The movement needs more guys yeah. like can, you. Can I tell you two things? <laughs> the first one is uh, my wife is very loyal to her father. And the first time we listened to your podcast, she felt that it was an attack against her daddy. Yeah. And so she was going to come blow you guys up. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but she just loves her daddy. And, and you know, he was when she hears these kind of things about the independent Baptist world, uh, her dad was an independent Baptist pastor and she never saw this. She never, this was not part of her world. 
So she, she, she's funny about that. It was kind of ch- made me chuckle how she saw things so differently. But the other, the other thing I would tell you, I was with an independent Baptist pastor some time ago and we had a meal together and uh, he shared with me how concerned he was for a daughter. And, and he was very teary eyed. Um, just he, please, please pray for my daughter. And I don't know what I was thinking, the way he was talking, I was thinking maybe she was, um, I, I mean, I don't know, maybe in an immoral lifestyle or, or something, you know, even worse. And so in the course of the conversation, it came out that, oh, oh she lives here in town. Well, you know, she's in church. She, she goes to a church and, and, and the deal was that she's a very faithful member of a church that has a slightly different music than his church. Uh, has a slightly different uh, view of the Bible version issue than his church. And yet his grandkids are in church every week and his daughter has a happy marriage. She loves the Lord. Uh, he just disagreed with the church she went to. And and he's older than me, so I was very careful about it. But I, I did say to that dear brother, I said, you know, I'm in the independent Baptist world and there's reasons I'm in this world. I These are my people. And I love, I've got so many good friends that are godly and growing and spirit filled and sweet. But I said, dear, dear brother, you should thank God for your daughter. Mm. She's in church. Do you know how many parents I'm with who would love for their daughter to be in Amen a church worshiping Jesus? Yeah. And, and so uh, I, I'm at this age, uh, finally, to where these are the best and worst days of my life. I'm preaching in the biggest churches of our movement, and they're smaller than they've ever been. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's why God's called me to be an evangelist. And I want to see people saved, and, and I do want to help um, I do want to help our churches in our in our unaffiliated world uh, to to believe the Bible, to embrace the Bible, to seek the Scriptures, uh, to learn grace, to give grace, and yet to be exactly what they believe God wants them to be. Yeah, that's good. Well, as your article says, you are not a recovering fundamentalist, but I hope you don't mind that you're going to have a whole lot of recovering fundamentalists that are fans of yours now, because I think our listeners are really going to connect yes. with you yeah. and really appreciate you. And I promise you, as I said before, if what you've said tonight represented the IFB movement they had grown up in, a lot of us would still be there. I agree with that statement right there, and that's exactly what I wanted to say. You know, I thank you for coming on because we've said this a hundred times over the last twenty-five episodes. We've said it tonight. We have friends. We have family. We've got acquaintances that are IFB still. One of my mentors is an IFB pastor, and you know he has mentioned multiple times, hey, not all of us are like what you guys are promoting on the podcast. And I'm like, I know. I get that. We say that over and over again. We're reaching that group that has been burnt, that group that wants nothing to do with Jesus, that group that has thrown in the towel and walked away from Christianity because of man-made rules, man-made ideology, and that's who we're reaching. And I echo what Nathan just said. I am fired up that you are in the independent fundamental Baptist movement because I really see it's going to take us, it's going to take guys like you that have a calling that you have to preach in the IFB churches and to continue to bring hope and healing. And if I would have grown up in a church that you pastor, and I think a lot of the folks that are writing in to us and tweeting at us and calling us and texting us, if they could have seen your sec of the IFB, they would still be in the IFB. Yeah. Nathan and I grew up at a church that is very much like what you are. Yeah. 
I love our church that we grew up in, Temple Baptist Church. Our pastor, Ken Trivet was solid, awesome. just like you. Yeah. He brought the word. We didn't deal with this stuff. It was the outside of that bubble, the camp meeting world, the Tennessee Temple University world that I saw the change between South White and Southern Baptist and the craziness of the fight that started within that. That's when I was a student. It's that stuff that really we just want to continue to shine a light on. And I'm glad you came on tonight because we're able to shine a light on the good that is in the IFB. For those of you that are listening, please know that we love, we'll say this again, we love a lot of people that are in the independent fundamental Baptist movement. If you would have told us weeks ago that we would be friends with Phil Kidd, who is in the IFB, and we don't agree with a lot of the stuff that he says still, or even believes in. But I think... Having open, honest conversation, which is exactly why we started this podcast, is what's going to continue to help all of us continue to heal, continue to press on, continue to grow and deepen our faith, because we want to help, we want to encourage, and we want to challenge. Dave, would you close us out in prayer? And I would ask that you would pray for us and for our listeners, and I promise you we will continue to pray for you as you press on in what we consider is even a more difficult road, and that is staying within the IFB and, and living by example and pushing for change in that way. I sure will. Thank you guys for having me on. And uh, if I can uh, serve you in any way, if I can buy you a meal, if we're ever close by, I'll buy you a Deal. meal. Deal. Always. <laughs> for, for being gracious as well and uh, for loving Jesus and loving souls and desiring to help people. I, I respect you for that. Thank you. Let me pray with you. Father, how I pray tonight, uh, today, for uh, these men, for their ministry, for their family, for those who you've put in their life to help. And uh, dear, dear Jesus, I know that you love people more than we do. And, and I marvel at that, at how much you love us. And there are many issues we don't uh, even fully know how to wrap our minds around all the time. And there are, are men who at times are, are guilty of such uh, unbelievable wickedness that, that, that it startles even us. And we know that we're sinners too. And God, at the end of the day, we want to honor you. Yes. We want to honor your word. Uh, we want to help people who have been wounded by, by some error or some ungodliness within Christianity and specifically for these men within the IFB world and even in my life. God, those who are listening who are wounded, uh, those who are listening who are struggling with hurts in their heart and, and damage to their conscience and, and, and uncertainties, God, would you in a mighty way love them and, and speak to them that they would hear your voice and sense your presence and know your love. And uh, dear Father, I pray that they would learn your word and grow and, and be able to move forward with love and joy and peace in the Holy Ghost. And, and the Holy Spirit would work mightily in their heart and life. So give us all wisdom. We want to please you and honor you. And we're thankful that you love us and that you're so patient with us. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray these things. Amen. 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 You're the nicest unaffiliated Baptist I've met in a long time. (laughs) I'm going to say praise God. And you guys are the nicest. What did did Brother Kidd call you? Loose-lipped liberals, I (laughs) think. Hey, what is your schedule? Where are you going to be preaching at in the next few weeks? I'm in North Carolina today, but I finished tonight. I'm driving my family home to Florida, and then my next meeting starts this weekend in Indiana, 
I'm home for Labor Day, and then I have meetings in Alabama, Texas, Michigan, Ohio, and Kentucky, and back to Michigan and Wyoming. Wow. So I'm covering a lot of territory in the next coming months. What's your website? evangelistdaveyoung.com, or if you want to follow where we teach on the family and, and, and marriage, it's Keeping It Young, Keeping It Young podcast. My wife is worth hearing. <laughs> awesome. And I hope in the future that at some of your future meetings, you see some people wearing these t-shirts and they walk up to you and say, hey, I'm a recovering fundamentalist. I heard you on the podcast and I came to hear you preach tonight. I pray that that happens. That'll be awesome. Well, you know, Brian name dropped a minute ago with Adrian Rogers. Nathan and I aren't that clout. We met Patch the Pirate once, and uh, we, we absolutely loved it. And I just figured out that's what's going to be on Nathan's J Radio playlist. Yes, I am a promise. Right. I am a possibility. I, I know sorry. that song. I know you do. Word for word. That's awesome. Hey, we want to thank our sponsors, J Radio. Check them out, jradio.com. They're coming out with a brand new app on September the 1st, so you need to check that out. We also want to thank Free Life Soap. Good recoveringfundamentalist.org. Click on the free Life Soap app. Use the promo code RFP. Get 10% off of your purchase. We've got some big interviews coming up in the month of October, guys. I'm real excited about this. It's the Anon accounts from Twitter. They're going to be on here. Hey, when Lloyd the other day tweeted for us, I was like, okay, we've yes, arrived. We've arrived. <laughs> so we've got some big interviews coming up in the next couple weeks. Fake Sermon, which is not one of us, is coming back on September the 31st. We have the Wrestling Pastor. Have you guys seen the Wrestling Pastor? Come yes. On. That's the first Anon account that I started following years ago. I actually, funny story, I have a Wrestling Pastor t-shirt, um, and we were eating <laughs> at Mission Barbecue, and this kid turned on and he's like, Mama, it's that guy. And I literally got a selfie with the kid because he thought I was a wrestler, and I had the Wrestling Pastor t-shirt on. I can't wait to tell him that story. I was like, my name's uh, Bald Dad Six. That's my wrestling name. <laughs> we'll go with that. So then coming up on October the 14th, we got Northworth Seminary. He actually got his Twitter account banned the other day. Did you see that? Oh. Oh, man. But he's it's, back. It's all the IFB Crazy. guys praying against him. Exactly. And then the last two, October the 21st, Lloyd Legalist. That's the first Anon account I ever followed. Dude, he's hilarious. That's going to be awesome. He retweeted he us the other big day. Time. Yeah. And then we have the Loving Pastor on October the 28th for Halloween. He said, he said, I just stuttered. Um, <laughs> he said, man, I'm going to take the last one because I'm going to do a 30 minute altar call at the end of all these anon accounts. And I'm going to tell you straight up, we have no idea who these people are that run these accounts. And so it's going to be interesting for us because there's been some things that have been tweeted that I don't know if they necessarily agree with this or if they're even Christians or if it's women or if it's men or we don't know who they who are. And we probably need to apologize to our listeners for all the roller coaster that is the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. I mean, going from Phil Kidd for two weeks <laughs> to Dr. David Young to some of these anon accounts, man, just just up and down, back and forth. My, Who knows? My question is, when are you going to get David Cloud? He wouldn't come on because of our intro music, and we all know that. But yep. he has an open invite to come on this our is, show. He this does. has been my joke for many years. I've always, I've always hoped I'd be big enough that David Cloud would write an article about me. And, <laughs> and he never has. Oh, it's just really disappointing. Well, fun fact: I got a text today. I have John Hamblin's phone number now. What? 
So I'm going to text him. I'm still texting Bob Gray trying to get him to come on. He just keeps sending me books. I'm like, bro, I ain't buying those things, but maybe he'll come on in a little bit. Uh, We've got some exciting stuff coming up. And then something that we're real excited about because our incredible patrons of Patreon have been helping out a lot. Uh, We have some meetups that are going to be coming uh, where we're coming to a city near you. Brian, Nathan, and JC are coming to a city near you. I don't know if that's good or bad. It's going to be great. But we want to meet you. We want to meet you. And we're thinking right now, we're in the planning stage of doing something this New Year's Eve and New Year's Day in Pigeon Forge because that's where everybody goes to have a... That would be awesome. Yeah. So that's really exciting and that's coming. So we got some great episodes. We've got some things in the works. So we want to thank our sponsors, J Radio, Free Life Soap, Pod Life House uh, for sponsoring us and all of our patrons of Patreon. These folks are incredible. If you want the episodes early at 9 p.m. on Tuesday night instead of midnight on Wednesday morning, become a Patreon. You get it a couple hours early. We just got a text from a lady while we were doing this interview tonight and she said, my husband didn't understand the hype of the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. I normally get up at 4 a.m. so I can listen to the episodes on Wednesday morning as I'm getting ready for work. She said, last night I'm folding laundry and I I heard my husband in the bedroom listening to the Brian Townsend, and I was like, he understands now. And so that's awesome. We want to thank our patrons. And uh, guys, I love y'all. This is incredible. Love I'm happy too. to not have COVID anymore. I'm glad to be in the studio with you. And uh, Dr. Dave, we I had COVID. You can't catch it over Zoom, so you're good. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. And I need to correct myself from the last episode. On the last episode, I said that Malachi O'Brien sent us a tweet that said, hey, they're talking about y'all at the Sword of the Lord conference. That was actually Nahum O'Brien. I got the O'Brien right. I got the first name. Minor prophets. Minor prophets. Minor prophets. That's it. So (laughs) Nahum O'Brien, and he has an incredible podcast that I would love for you to go listen to. It's the Hermeneutics Podcast. Yes. And he just started that. It's incredible. Go check it out. The Hermeneutics Podcast, Nahum O'Brien. And uh, sorry for calling you Malachi O'Brien. You were close. I was close. Guys, it's been a good week. Looking forward to next week. Uh, Dr. Dave, thanks for coming on the show tonight. And uh, we'll see y'all back here next week. Y'all have a great week. Be sweet. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Be sure to stop by our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Give us a follow. Also, go to our website, recoveringfundamentalist.org. That's recoveringfundamentalist.org. There you can find Recovering Fundamentalist swag. You can get your t-shirts and hats. You can join our ex-fundy community. See where we're going to be having some meetups. It's the recoveringfundamentalist.org. Be sure to join us next time for the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast.